Hello and welcome to the new year and welcome to another episode of the Take 5 podcast. I'm Jeff Fuller, Chief Deputy Court Administrator for the 5th Judicial Circuit. In today's episode, we're talking about the reasons behind the three branches of government. You'll learn about the legislative, the executive, and the judicial branches and where the courts fit in. Joining me today is Citrus County Circuit Judge, the Honorable Pete Brigham. Judge Brigham? Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, how are things in Citrus County? And uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. Uh, first of all, uh, like everyone else, we're affected by the pandemic, and we've uh, changed our court operations accordingly. We're trying to minimize the amount of uh, face-to-face court. We're relying upon Zoom and some other technology to continue court as usual. Uh, from time to time, we do have court face-to-face Uh, when we're uh, required to do so, given the administrative orders that we're laboring under right now. For me, personally, that tends to be injunctions where uh, people's, uh, a person's personal safety is at issue, Uh, like a domestic violence injunction for other judges, for me, for uh, risk protection orders and that sort of thing. But things are going well in Citrus County, and we're we're doing our best to keep the cases flowing uh, as best we can using Zoom and other technology. Uh, me personally, uh, as you said, I am a circuit judge in Citrus County. I've been a judge, uh, I guess, three going on four years now. I um, was a, uh, a prosecutor for a number of years, approximately 21 years, uh, largely in Marion County, although I did prosecute or litigate cases throughout the Fifth Circuit for the state attorney's office. Uh, I was also in private practice for five or six years. Uh, as well as I was uh, in the Army uh, prior to becoming a lawyer. Yes, thank you, Judge, and we're uh, very happy to have you over there serving from the bench in in, in Citrus County. And and I will take a moment to remind all of our listeners that if you want to know more about uh, the things the court's doing for uh, to deal with COVID-19 and the current pandemic, you can find all that information on our website. There is a COVID page. Uh, You can find our operational plan and all the administrative orders uh, and uh, the safety protocols that we are using in the circuit. But let's talk about what we came to talk about today, and let's get right into it. Let's talk about the Constitution of the United States. Uh, Judge, can you go ahead and uh, tell me how the Constitution is set up and and how it's broken down? Well, sure. Um, The United States Constitution, um, uh, the first three articles are are most important, Uh, and and they also address the um, separation of powers. Article 1, of course, is uh, the most important article. It has to do with creating and the rules and for the subject matter of Congress. Uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate taken together are the Congress. Um, and the other two branches, of course, are the executive, which is the president, and the judicial, which is uh, uh, federal judges, judges like me, but, but operate on a federal rather federal level rather than just in Florida. So those are the three branches, and they are definitely enshrined in our Constitution. And our Constitution starts off with those three branches. That They're, they're that important. And, and how do those two, how do those three uh, branches coexist with one another? Uh, how they coexist with one another? Um, well, they, they each have their exclusive domain, uh, legislative, of course, for the Congress, executive or execution of the laws by the president, and judicial uh, or the uh, interpretation of the laws and resolution of conflicts between uh, parties mentioned in the Constitution. And they interact in, in curious ways. Um, I would assert to you that the Congress is the most powerful of the three branches. Uh, they have uh, the original power to tax and spend, uh, to raise the military, establish a Navy and Army. 
uh, that sort of thing. But more importantly, uh, the Senate, for instance, uh, must confirm certain officers nominated by the president and federal judges nominated by the president. Um, Congress uh, has the power to declare war. Uh, and Congress uh, also has the power to impeach and remove federal officers in, in other branches. Uh, there have been uh, cases where judges, and for instance, uh, uh, federal judges stationed here in Florida have been removed and impeached by, by the Congress, not through the judicial branch. Uh, and of course, uh, three presidents, I guess, in our history have been impeached, although none have been removed so far. But that's a legislative power that reaches into the executive branch and can actually control uh, that branch. Uh, the president doesn't have the ability to reach into the uh, uh, judicial branch in that way to remove a judge. Uh, of course, a president can nominate federal judges, nor does the president have the power to go in and, and discipline anybody in the Congress. So I would, I would tell you that the legislative uh, reigns supreme among the three branches. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's where we get the term uh, checks and balances, correct? Uh, I think so. I think that's checks and balances. Um, of course, you know, I said the, the president can't really reach into the Congress, but he can certainly veto legislation. Um, you know, you could, we had now have 435 members in the Congress and uh, comprising the Senate and the House of Representatives, and just one man, or soon perhaps the one woman, uh, can undo all that legislation with a simple veto as the president. Right, and I guess some of the power the president might have is he gets to appoint the members of the Supreme Court and the members of the federal judiciary, correct? Well, uh, he gets to nominate them. Um, uh, advise and consent, I believe, is the constitutional language. So the president gets to nominate them, uh, and he certainly or she would certainly want them to be appointed, but it's ultimately up to the Senate to confirm them or not. Oh, very good. So. We, we ended up with three branches of government. That's, that's shown in our Constitution. How did we get there? How did we come up? How did, how did the founders decide on this form of government? Well, um, you have to go back a little earlier uh, in, our, in our history, uh, particularly our American history, uh, to the Declaration of Independence. And, and the reason I, I say that is um, as colonies, when we were English colonies here, we were, uh, we were ruled exclusively uh, by King George III, towards the end anyway, but we were exclusively ruled by a king. Now, a king has unitary power. A, a king has the power to, uh, like a Congress, make law, like a president to enforce law, and like a judge to say what the law means and to resolve disputes among uh, people under him, uh, be they some type of minor royalty like dukes or commoners. Um, and so that's, that's, that's not three branches of government. Obviously, that's a unitary government under one person. And um, if, if, if you go back and read the Declaration of Independence, a large portion of it is accusations against King George III. Uh, I, here's a couple that come to mind. Uh, he, being the king, has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing uh, with manly firmness his invasions of the rights of the people. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing to assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. Um, so he has done this and he has done that. And these are all abuses of King George III that the colonists uh, were upset about. And so to avoid the future of one person being able to do everything to a person, 
they they decided to break government into three branches. Uh, as you said, the checks and balances. And essentially what it does is it, it, it eliminates the concentration of power in one person or branch. And it also eliminates, uh, for want of a better term, tyranny. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, the catchphrases of the colonial times was, you know, no taxation without representation. And what that all meant was the king shouldn't be able to, to put a tax on the American colonies. Only the British parliament should be able to do that. And parliament, of course, are elected. Now you have a voice in what's going on in government, and you're not simply ruled by a king. So it all kind of goes back to the Declaration of Independence and establishing three branches. But if I could say, it even goes even back further to the Magna Carta in 1215, when King John of England was forced to admit, in effect, that other people had rights too, that he didn't have just the divine right of kings as, as, as ordained by God in heaven to rule absolutely. So the idea for the Declaration of Independence has been kicking around for centuries, but we are the first government to ever write it down and put it into action and say, this is going to be our blueprint. So, you know, we, we, we see the powers that, as you talked about, set up uh, in the uh, first uh, uh, Article One, of the, the legislative branch, and Article Two, the executive, and Article Three, the judiciary. And and uh, I had a, a professor, I think, one time in undergrad that, that, that drew on the board and said he put the Article 1 at the top and Article 2 right under it and then drew an arrow all the way down onto the wall, onto the carpet of the <laughs> front wall and wrote uh, Article 3. And he said that's really what I think the founders really intended the judiciary place to be uh, when, they, when they came up with the idea of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the three branches of government. What would you say to my professor that did that, and do you think that's an adequate representation of the founder's idea of the Supreme Court? Well, I would say he was probably right until you get to Marbury versus Madison and, and Chief, Chief Justice Marshall, uh, the fourth Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, who really arrogated the power to say what, what the Constitution is and what it means uh, uh, in derogation of the other two branches, the, the U.S. Supreme Court can now say, you know, uh, legislation passed by Congress is unconstitutional. That that wasn't the that wasn't exactly the way it was in the beginning. There was a concept called judicial review, meaning the Supreme Court gets to review these things and declare them constitutional or not. But that's not actually written into the Constitution. Um, so I'd say he was right to a degree before Marbury versus Madison. And he's still probably right to a degree, even after Marbury. Uh, you may recall a case called Brown versus Board of Education, which um, overturned a case called Plessy versus Ferguson, which struck down segregation uh, and, and was supposed to lead to integrated schools. It took years for that to be implemented uh, across the United States uniformly, simply because the Supreme Court doesn't have the power to enforce its edicts, really. It really... It really relies upon the states for doing the right things uh, after these uh, decisions are made. And so I, I agree with your professor to an extent. Um, I would say the judicial branch is the weakest of the three branches, uh, but, but not by much anymore, not by much. Okay, great, Judge. Let me ask you one more question before we run out of time. We, we talked a lot of in the beginning here about a unitary government, and we talked about a constitutional government. Can you, can you give the listeners an idea of what a unitary government versus a constitutional government would look like in today's times? Sure. There's actually a great example um, that's in the news nearly every day. If you take the two Koreas, uh, North Korea and South Korea, you know, North Korea 
is is ruled essentially by a, mon- a monarchy. Uh, we're on the third King Kim. I'd call him King Kim the Third uh, in North Korea. Uh, uh, Kim Jong Il, he, uh, Kim Jong Un, and all of them, King Il Sam, they all they all ruled uh, by basically what they considered divine right. Um, the the king of North Korea makes the law. They have a rubber stamp legislature that doesn't it approves everything. It doesn't really do anything. He has kangaroo courts uh, that will convict his political enemies. And by the way, in in North Korea, if, if I got convicted, my children would go to prison and my parents would go to prison along with me. Wow. They do three generations of punishment. And he's the executive, of course. He he executes people and imposes the death penalty. Now contrast that with South Korea. Here, here's a peninsula, the, the Korean peninsula, where, where two, two countries, they have the same history, same culture, same language, same people. And yet in South Korea, you have branch, three branches of government. Um, and look at the difference it's made. In South Korea, they respect individual rights and freedoms guaranteed by their separation of powers. They live under the rule of law. They have health, wealth, and material happiness. I mean, what do you hear about North Korea? Famine, disease, shortages, malnutrition, uh, no industrialization to speak of. Let me give an example. I mean, my son drives a Hyundai, uh, a car made in South Korea. Uh, I've owned a Kia, a car made in South Korea. When uh, President Trump and, uh, and Kim Jong-un had, were going to have a summit, uh, North Korea didn't even have a jet that could fly their leader as far as Geneva, Switzerland from Korea. They had to meet by train wherever they went because they simply can't produce anything. Uh, the, the current King Kim III, he'll rule for life. Um, South Korea, they had a president, a Park Gwen-hee. Uh, that president was actually prosecuted by the executive branch in South Korea based upon laws passed by the legislative branch in South Korea. And uh, President uh, Park was actually convict, convicted, sentenced to 24 years by the judicial branch. That would never happen in North Korea. There's no way to remove uh, Kim, Kim Jong-un from power except through assassination. Um, so, you know, if you look at Korea's, the two Koreas, you see two glaring examples of a monarchy or a unitary power and a separation of power. It, I would urge my readers to do a Google search of images of Korea at night. You can see how dark it is in North Korea with almost no electric light and how lit up South Korea is because how wealthy they are. Uh, and that wealth uh, stems in large part from the separation of powers and, and, and the hamstringing, if you will, of government so it's not so powerful in people's lives. And because that's, really, that's really what separation of powers guarantees is personal liberty. It really does. It slows the government down so much they can't take over everything. And that's also why we take oaths in the, this country. We take oaths to the Constitution and not to a monarch and, and not to a ruler. Exactly, exactly. Great. Thank you, Judge Brigham. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? We're about to run out of time, but I want to make sure I give you every opportunity to, uh, to cover uh, to cover anything you think important about the Constitution. Well, I think I think what's important about the Constitution is we got to get back as a country to actually reading the thing. Uh, you know, the the, the 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 owner's manual for your car is probably some 300 pages. Uh, the U.S. Constitution can be easily typed out on 19 eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper. It, it's, it's a lot of dense, required government knowledge. It's easy to understand, and it lays out how our government works. I would urge, encourage more people to read it. 
Yes, and so would I. And thank you for joining us, Judge Brigham. Thank you for being here and taking the time to talk to our listeners about the Constitution. But before we go, I'd like to remind our listeners to follow the Fifth Judicial Circuit on social media, where you'll find the latest information on how we continue to work through COVID-19. We'll see you guys on our next episode of Take 5. Thanks for listening, and stay safe. 